Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go check us out on all of our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us some comments. Leave us some some five-star ratings. Whatever you can do on each of those platforms, that really helps us out a lot, and we appreciate all of that. As well as we have some GoFundMes and some... Uh, t-shirt shops linked in the description of our show on all the last listening platforms and on youtube as well so go check those out as well um without further ado let's get into the sode love it that's pretty fast the way that you ran through that but yeah everything the whole spiel that we used to give all those links are in the description of it wherever you're watching or listening i don't know if you mentioned facebook that's the one thing come on dude i i forget about facebook I have a Facebook and I I, I, yeah. I post to it whenever I post something on Instagram because it posts automatically, automatically. onto Facebook. Yeah. But I, I kind of forget that I have Facebook every now and again. I, I I have said to people that I use Facebook for it seems like two things. Facebook memories and I use it for marketplace for mm. for whether that is uh, pages I'm a part of to buy like sports memorabilia. Or I've used it for marketplace to like I bought a dre- we bought a dresser out there, and that's about it. I don't really browse Facebook like I did when I was a, a wee lad back gotcha. in the day. Yeah, uh, same actually. I don't really use Facebook too much other than to put the show up and stuff other than like when that. you deactivate your Twitter and you have to go to Facebook. That's and, true. And then you yeah. treat Facebook like Twitter and you <laughs> you basically live tweet everything on Facebook. Oh, it's it's so good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's get into the show. Like you said, um, we, we normally discuss where we want to start off beforehand. We didn't breaking the fourth wall here and just being totally transparent as to the way that the show is going to go. Let's start with the Steelers opening up OTAs this week. Um, first and foremost, a signing, signing Marcus Golden, helping out some edge depth. This is a really nice piece. Uh, 32 years old, just two sacks last year, but the pass rush win win, win rate, man, that was kind of a pass rush win rate say that five times fast um was still there for him uh and coming off 10 and a half sacks two years ago so i really like this signing i know a lot of people are going to be like oh here we go another melvin ingram situation where you got this veteran that you know has had the the production that he has had through his career and won't be comfortable in an edge three role i don't see it that way for a couple of reasons one because I think it's pretty clear that Marcus Golden isn't that same player. He has taken a little bit of a step back while he's still being a very good player. And also Alex Highsmith is a lot more proven than he was when we brought in Melvin Ingram and people thought that he was going to like be the guy for some reason. Uh, maybe in Melvin Ingram's head, he was also going to take that role because we saw how that played out. But I don't see the similarities there. Um, I'm really excited about the signing, though, because we were talking about it last week, like, man, something happens to TJ or Alex or even just like, you know, for 15 to 20 snaps a game when those guys need breathers, who right now was edge three. So to bring in a guy like Marcus Golden, who's done what he's done in this league, I think it was necessary. And I'm happy it's a guy like him that's been so productive. Yeah, for signing a player that's not going to be a starter, it's a position that tends to be more exciting than a normal uh, backup position. But we kind of have talked about it when we address the defense. Some of the positions that we're still unsure of when it comes to depth is the linebacker positions, and especially on the outside. After TJ and Alex, you don't really have a lot of depth behind those two. Um, so, I, and I think this is different than Melvin Ingram because I don't think that they would have, and I don't think that the Steelers necessarily promised Melvin Ingram a lot of playing time whenever he signed with Pittsburgh either. But I, I, I think that Golden knows the situation he's coming into. 
he he sees that there's a clear one two with the starters and they're going to um use him as that that outside linebacker or edge three role and i feel like he wouldn't have signed here if he wasn't okay with that um but I, I do think that this helps the depth a lot. I'm sure he will play. That this seems just how it's never just going to be those two guys on the outside. So having somebody that can come in that has shown production at the NFL level, and, and like you said, he has taken a step back, but he can still be a productive player when called upon. And whenever he is going to be called upon in those smaller sample size, maybe that will even help a little bit more um, keep his production up as he ages as well. But I, I think it's a it's a good signing for the position. It's a much needed depth of that position, and I think there's a clear cut outside linebacker three on this on the Steelers now. And I feel much more comfortable going into this throughout this offseason further with the outside linebacker depth as it is now, as opposed to just yesterday. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to know exactly how like the whole Ingram thing played out. But like, so it, it's just speculation. But I like to me the way like from the outside looking in i think it was melvin ingram underestimating alex highsmith and thinking he would be able to take over that role because at that time like going into 2021 like what did you we didn't know what we had in in alex yeah. like it was a very small sample size that he played pretty well as like the the third guy and then when bud went down with his acl he played well but it was a relatively unproven commodity at this point we know what alex is and he likely Again, you know, another thing to note here is we get into the OTAs kicking off. It came out that they're also they've opened up contract extension talks like his agent has been in contact with the Steelers. I just again, like I think I've brought this up before and it's so weird to say about a guy that's only been on the team for like three seasons. It's hard for me to envision him like being anywhere else. Like I think that he. Mm -hmm going to take less than he could get on the open market to stay a stealer and stay playing on the other side of TJ because I just feel like he has so much like wherewithal for his situation he understands that the grass isn't going to be greener he's very comfortable here and yeah like I just I think that he's gonna get he's gonna get paid pretty well I think he'll get you know around 15 million a season but if he hits the open market he's getting 18 to 20 and I just don't see that happening in Pittsburgh. I think he knows he it's not happening in Pittsburgh and I don't think that needs to happen for him to resign here. I think he's totally okay with getting, you know, a number closer to what I was talking about. I, I, I think so too. Um, And like you said, if he leaves Pittsburgh, there's no guarantee. I mean, it depends on the team, but it's assuming he leaves for the money. He's going to be going and being the outside linebacker one on a team. And when he yeah. does that, he's going to be targeted. It's not going to be the same thing as he's whenever you have DJ Watt uh, on the other side of you. So I, I think that would be smart to stay in Pittsburgh, and he's definitely going to consider that. Um, I said, and it was actually during the the live show that you and Derek were doing um, when we were talking about Highsmith, my, my sweet spot for him getting a, getting a, like a mo really modest raise but also being able to stay in Pittsburgh and not being priced out was actually 18 million. Um, a, a, series, a season. A I, I said, deal. Yeah, yeah. Three, three by 54 is what I would do. Um, and I, I think that would be a good deal for him where he does get the value that I think he deserves, because I feel like a lot of people are just a lot of people that don't really look into the situation of like outside linebackers or edge rushers in the NFL and what contracts go for. Um, Alex Highsmith, especially if he has a really productive season this year, building off of what he did last year, he will price himself out of Pittsburgh unless he wants to stay that badly. I mean, th this this is a really premium position and teams are going to pay for it if you are productive. And he was on the right track last year, continues this year. That's why I, th I think it's very smart for the Steelers to get this, this locked up now 
um, because one, and this is selfish from the Pittsburgh's mentality, but you know they, they kind of have to look at it this way. We we can't afford to have you have another good season and then talk contract with you. So they have to get it out of the way now. Um, also, was it who was it that tweeted the the extension or the extension talks? And it was Chris Wormley, the the picture. That was and it Dov. just had a little oh Dov climbing. It just yeah. had a little. I don't even know if that's a real Alex. person, by the way. Like I, I, I don't. Know. I'm still. I, he like, changed the his Avi, I think, for the first time ever. <laughs> I, um, I'm blocked. Are you? He has me blocked because I said I'm not sure if Dov Kleeman is a real person. He searches his name, so he blocked me. Oh well, I didn't tag it, him or he, anything. He tweeted a picture of Chris Wormley. A great I, I saw, form so tackle, saw, by yeah. the way. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's just like this but, much. Is this a little sliver? Of, yeah. of Alex Highsmith is like Actually, he's there, and uh, Alan Saunders said it was like the Where's Waldo of of like announcements. <laughs> like you I gotta saw, find him. I saw Dougie Fresh reply to that and say something like, uh, "Alex looks great in this picture," or something like that, and he like cropped just the portion that he was in. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just like it, it's just like his left shoulder or something like that. It's so funny. Um, but another thing that about Alex Highsmith that would be weird though if he did leave Pittsburgh is like. So we were saying how we can't imagine him being in another organization. I can't imagine Sam Highsmith, his dad, being a fan of any other team. <laughs> True, he, he's ingrained he into <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers Nation's col- culture already, and uh-huh. so I just can't imagine him flipping sides. I mean, even if he his son leaves, I, I gotta I gotta wonder is he still gonna be a Steelers fan? <laughs> I. I- Listen, once a Steeler, always a Steeler. I'm sure that he will definitely. He's obviously like his number one team is going to be wherever Alex is playing. He's going to be rooting for the Steelers when they're not playing Alex's team. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for me to see it any other way. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up a, another thing with Alex because like I understand the the position that some people have where it's like, can you really pay two edge rushers? And, you know, you can find a guy to give you some production. Obviously not what Alex has given them on the other side of TJ, because that's been even greater than what they've gotten from Bud on the other side. Um, But what I say to that is I'm not looking. I think you can look at it like the defensive front as a whole. And right now you're paying two guys pretty good money in TJ and Cam. But Mm -hmm. Cam's contract ends not this upcoming season, but after the following one. And you can kind of structure Alex's deal where you're not paying him like significant money until that point anyway. So I think you can kind of set it up where you're still just paying two high end contracts along that defensive line. But instead of TJ and Cam, it ends up being TJ and Alex down the road. Yeah, and that makes sense. And look at the rest of the defense. I mean, you've got Minka who's getting paid, but outside of outside of those like big three. There's not a lot of money going out on the defense. Your corners aren't making a lot of money. Your middle linebackers aren't making a lot of money. And there's a lot of young people that they could get paid eventually. Like Joey Porter Jr. could be paid eventually. Um, (laughs) But he's a rookie this year. Mm -hmm. So you're in a position where if you're going to pay two edge rushers, um, and, and especially that amount of money, you're in a situation where you can do it easily and not really hurt yourself too much. Um because you have the luxury of having some young contracts on the defense. And plus there's, there's just not a lot of people to pay that are, that are worth getting yeah. extensions like that. Yeah. There's some like middle ground contract, like Odin Joby's deal, I think is, yeah. is somewhat, you know, uh, Cole Holcomb for a middle linebacker. He's making okay money. Um, but yeah, I mean, but they're not like TJ. Speaking, they're not like, yeah. Minka. like we're not, yeah. we're not talking about like huge lucrative contracts. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think that again, I just keep going back to the point where I don't look at it as like two edge rushers. I'm looking at it as, you know, two premium defensive players that you're paying and they both play in the defensive front. So just, you know, exit cam insert Alex's contract. So I brought that up to Derek on his um, live stream that he did last Friday. Um, and yeah, that it actually entered my mind as we were talking about it. Like that wasn't a preconceived idea in my head. I was just no. thinking about it. Um, but yeah, well, let's it talk makes, a little. It oh, makes. I was just gonna say it makes sense because I think you should look at it from not just who who or what positions you're playing, but like who brings you the most valuable or value on defense. Yeah, and positionally, Alex well, brings even, you. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna say I, I would absolutely not say that he's more valuable than TJ. Don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is, look at where they rush from. And Alex is rushing yeah. the left tackle, which for most teams is the stronger side. They play their better better tackle on mm-hmm. the left side, and that's the quarterback's blind spot. So, you know, I'm I, I think that at the very least, I'm not saying he's more valuable than TJ, but he's, you know, probably the second most valuable spot on the defense at the yeah. very least. So I I mean, again, I, I have no qualms about paying him. I people will bring up, you know, the production without TJ three and a half sacks or something in seven games. By the yeah, way, but look, still look at the entire being, defense's production without TJ. What was you say? That's still night day for a season, like yeah. if, at that pace. Like it's yeah. not like that's just some. It's not a scrub. Yeah. So in the opposite of T, say it wasn't TJ, right? Say what? Well, it's also not going to be Malik Reed. Like you're going to have somewhere in the middle of that on the opposite side of Alex, somewhere else. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he's a double digit sack guy for sure. And I still, like, the thing is, like he's still not there yet. Like he, he still is pretty much just a speed rusher. Like if he really, really comes into his own and develops a little bit more, I, I, I he had 14 and a half last year. I mean, yeah. he could easily eclipse, you know, 16 in, in next season. So I, I'm interested to see how this thing plays out by all accounts. It sounds like, you know, he's optimistic about an extension. It sounds like the other side is optimistic. Like Omar Khan very early in the off season said, this is a priority for us. And look at everything that's happened since then. Now, I'm not saying that that got put on the back burner. He was lying about it being a priority. It's just this time of year is typically when that starts to happen. A contract mm-hmm. extension talk anyway for a guy going into this season. So um, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Prediction, I do think it gets done. So I'll be very happy when that's that's done and we can stop talking. Also, we're going to know, like, by the way, like last year we saw like when Deontay's agent was in camp two days later, he signed a new deal. Yeah, you're going to we're going to know when Alex's agent is there. And then all of a sudden you're going to see within the next like 48 hours, probably a deal get done. Yeah. And may, maybe Alex can make his third appearance on around the four and two after the deal gets done. <sighs> that would be awesome. Would pro- would be our like because make has been on, obviously, and he made a good amount of money afterwards. But he might yeah. Alex might be the richest man once he comes on. If that were the case. That's true. That is true. So, um. But we will see. We'll see how that all plays out. I want to ask you with OTAs beginning now. Um, I think like, you know, first thing that we're looking at here is who gets the reps at left tackle to start. I think that's going to be an interesting battle to see how much time goes on before or if we see Broderick Jones kind of take over with the ones. Um, I wanted to ask you if there's anything like really intriguing to you, though, like storyline wise, other than that, as we go through OTAs. Um, I'll let you go first so I don't steal them. I have a couple things in mind. I think we might cross over on some of our thoughts here, but is there anything with OTAs opening up that you're kind of looking for? It's, it's football in shorts, so like you're not going to learn a whole lot. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I do think left tackle is probably the most intriguing thing entering OTAs uh, with Dan Moore Jr. and Broderick Jones. 
Um, I, I think that running back outside of the top two is an interesting position looking at the Steelers going forward. You don't really have a clear-cut RB3 after Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. So I, I think that's another interesting position. And I think that looking at what happens with how they approach the cornerback position of what we've been talking about, like how they deploy guys, whether they're playing in the nickel or who's playing in the nickel, I guess I should say, and who, who's getting deployed on the outside, what are those like reps look like. That's something mm-hmm. that's interesting to me because you and I have really just kind of made a rough draft of what we think the defense could look like on the outside in nickel package. But we really don't know until we actually see them play football. And I think you're going to get a glimpse of the idea of what the Steelers are going to like to play with, with defense, like schematically in their secondary. And so that's another position that I'm looking at, just like who's who's getting reps at nickel and then. Like basically, like how much is Joey Porter Jr. starting on the outside versus like other players, and also like Corey Trice, is he playing yet? Is he healthy enough to to participate? I uh, that's a good question. I don't know the extent of what he's doing. I've seen pictures of him on the field and stuff, so he's yeah. In some I, I, I would just be interested if, if he's healthy. Like, what's he look like post injury yeah. and, and and playing there as well? But th- that's just off the top of my head. The major ones that I think but the one the, the one that we really haven't talked about a lot on the show that I just like thought of was running back because after yeah. Najee and Jalen Warren, I just don't think there's a clear cut RB three. I mean, Anthony McFarland could be it, but he hasn't really shown enough in the past couple seasons with the Steelers. And I think there's an argument to be made that the Steelers can move on from him pretty easily. Yeah, I, I do think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse when you look at it right now, because it's like, how could he not be? It's just kind of by default. I think that's why it's so interesting with a Master Teague being cut the when he was, because a lot of people were wondering if he would possibly like take that leap and end up being the RB3. Um, I think if it's not McFarland, it's probably somebody not currently on the roster. Like, I just, I don't see another guy right now on this team that I can see making the 53. Um, you know, I, I'm rooting for, in a. I forgot his last name already. Alfonso something, the HBCU kid they signed um, from the rookie camp that they actually gave uh, a contract to, if I could find it here now, should have been prepared for this. Uh, Alfonso Graham, the running back. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'd be interested to see, cause he, he's got a lot of juice. I'm curious to see if he can kind of make a mark here. Um, but OTAs, like I said, it's it's football in shorts. It's hard to learn a lot of things. But you go back mm-hmm. to last year, like OTAs is when we started getting, like when we learned about George Pickens. You know, he was doing some crazy things, and that's when the hype train started right then and there. So, you know, who's going to be that guy this year? It could be, you know, on the defensive side, Joey Porter Jr. Um, it was interesting. I saw <laughs> Nick Farabaugh tweeted out a video of uh, Washington, Darnell Washington, yeah. and uh, pretty clumpy route that he ran. Uh he's not gonna like he's not winning because of his route running look like, that's not what makes his, him the player that he is look at his route running at georgia it wasn't he he's not a route runner he yeah. is a big dude that's how he wins <laughs> wins at the catch point he's just could big. you imagine if he could run routes like you know well, he, like he, calvin he, austin he, he was that size <laughs> like, but he, he ran like deontay yeah it'd be hilarious um, but that's just, you know, so that video surfaced and people were, that was obviously a talking point and stuff. Um, but he's obviously going to be somebody that's very interesting to watch as the process goes on here, because I- I'm just curious as we get into game action and stuff, how many snaps a guy like that is going to play. Um, I think Connor Hayward's an interesting one to watch because I, it doesn't seem like he's really involved with the tight ends anymore. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I wasn't think that in the picture. Be, and right. as we all know, social media tells everything. Absolutely. And they've used that picture a ton. 
Um, yeah. But he also like hasn't been in the meetings with them. People have said as well. So he's I'm been also curious um, for RB three. So mm-hmm. I was just curious to to look back because I didn't really remember him playing special teams at all. But Anthony McFarlane, not a special teams guy. In in three years in Pittsburgh, he has eight career snaps in, in, in on yeah. special teams. Well, that's the thing. It's like okay, but they, so Stephen Sims signed elsewhere. If he ends up being like the returner, then sure he could make the roster that way, like being the return man yeah. in RB three. But if you're viewing that spot as like you know Anthony Miller's or you know going back to Gunner, or I know there's that undrafted kid Bird that could potentially win that job. I mean kickoffs, Larry. especially with yeah Larry Bird, uh, especially with you know the new role, they're trying to be, make them as obsolete as possible. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much they're going to even covet giving somebody a role just for that. But yeah, I special teams is going to be how somebody makes that RB three spot. And uh, to your point, Anthony McFarland hasn't done a whole lot. Of it. He hasn't been available to do it a whole lot. So yeah, he only had I, eight snaps on special teams. Zero came in twenty twenty, which he only had. Uh, well, actually, 2020 was his most, he had his most snaps in his career. Um, mm-hmm. but he had eight snaps in 2021, zero snaps on special teams last year. Yeah. It, it's tough because, like, I remember we were talking, I was talking with Derek about this too. It's like he was cooking guys as a route runner in camp last year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he, he can't stay on the field, um, now as an RB3, like, you know, he's, I don't know how much he's going to be playing in game anyway, but we know how Tomlin is, man. Like if you're not available, I'm surprised they haven't given up on him already to be quite honest with you. It's that, I guess that just goes to speak, you know, to his talent. The fact that he's still hanging around given that he hasn't been available to them. Much. He went to Maryland. So, Tomlin's not going to cut him that's that true. easily. That buys you one season at least. It, but yeah, so. it, it does. Also <laughs> massive L for the Steelers with, with in the all name team with cutting master Teague. Yeah. That's true too. Shout out it's to just Sarge. a weird time. Like, team. I, I, it's it was a very weird time for them to make those cuts. They cut three players and signed one, and now obviously, um, why am I why am I blanking on who they just signed? Marcus Golden coming in. That's another <laughs> roster spot there. Um, I, I, first, I thought you meant running back, and I'm like, I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> who no. did they? Nah. <laughs> so they're up to 88 guys, I think, right now of the allotted 90 that you can be at for the time being. Then obviously it has to go down to 53, and it's not in waves anymore either. So uh, when is that get... deadline? <sighs> you're you're asking the wrong guy. Um, Let's see. When? Why the heck can I not? Is the why is my computer acting up? Uh oh wait, that's from 2021, so that won't help. This is great content. Um, August 29th. There we go. There it is. August 29th. Okay, so it's later. I I didn't know if it was like earlier in camp. Oh no, because you gotta go through the preseason. Like they're not gonna (laughs) have guys. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, imagine um, evaluating 40 players that you're going to cut. It's tough. It's tough business. It's cutthroat business. Um, I, yeah, I I do want to touch on since you're the one that brought him up. If you didn't, I was going to, obviously we've already talked about the RB three, the slot corner. I keep bringing it up. I feel like I'm, you know, beating a dead horse at this point. I just don't see it. Whatever their vision is, I'm having a hard time seeing it because Shannon Sullivan talked about it after day one that he was getting the majority of the snaps there. I 
I have a hard time feeling like he can be a serviceable player for them there based off his body of work. He stinks. Watch the Minnesota Vikings last year. He yeah, stinks. And it's, it's like I can understand, you know, people saying like, oh, well, you know, maybe a change of scenery or something like that. It's not like Minnesota was the only place he's played and was bad. Like, you know, he's had some other stops. I, I just have a hard time believing that all of a sudden, like, Pittsburgh's going to be the perfect fit for him. And, okay, like, say it is, and they do strike gold on this, and he's a fine player for them. One, incredibly lucky that that was the case. And two, <laughs> if he's not, like, what's the backup plan? Like, like I just, there, there's no contingency here if Shannon Sullivan Trey is good, at least the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, Trey Honestly, Norwood's played they might, they might as well. <laughs> yeah, Peterson's played, like, 20 snaps over the last two years there. Are they, I, honestly, I brought up the idea to Derek. I can't, why are we talk about Derek so much? Uh, uh, of Corey Trice, not because he doesn't like profile like a you know typical corner, but specifically to cover tight ends. Like you look at the way that Cincinnati was using Flowers last year because he's like a, he's a massive corner, about the same size as Trice. Um, and they, specifically, he was a tight end matchup. Could the Steelers potentially use Trice in that way? Like this is your role. You're going to be covering tight ends when they line up in the slot. Him, Joey Porter Jr., Patrick Peterson, all in the field at once. That's long. That, that, those are yeah. Those are some. That's a get, long second. Just put Luke Barku out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's just let's just throw <laughs> him out Pierre there. James Pierre is Rover. You know, pretty big too. Comparatively, uh, isn't Levi Wallace might be six one, even. Who's he, their smallest corner? Be. Let's see. Probably. I mean, Shannon Sullivan. God has to be, but. I don't know, but I, I I like the idea. Um, just just from looking at, you have no other options, so you might as well get experimental with it. Like after Chandon Sullivan, you don't have any viable options. Like you you don't have a clear cut. Like we don't we don't have Cam Sutton anymore. We don't have Mike Hilton anymore. Anybody who is clear cut, that is our slot guy. We don't have that, so they're going to have to experiment in order to be able to to fill that role. And so I think it would be smart to, to test that out and having a big slot corner that could be really good with matchups. Um, so let's look at the corners and how, how tall they are. So we got Corey Trice, who is six, three, my guy. Um, Chris Wilcox is six, two. Okay. I'm just looking at the entire. Roster. <laughs> All right. He's, he's six, two. Levi Wallace is six foot. Shannon Sullivan okay. is 5'11". That's basically Smitty's height. Yep. Um, Joey Porter Jr., 6'2". James Pierre, 6'2". Patrick Peterson, 6'1". And then Luke Barku, 6'1". Madre Harper. I don't know why he's saying, I'm saying his name, but he's on the roster. 6'1". Yeah, They've only got crazy. one guy that's under six foot. That's wild. And it's their worst one. definitely their worst one that has a chance to start yeah 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 i just yeah it's really hard to envision a world where he's should be just handed this job seemingly as the starting slot corner but that's the world we're living in right now unless you know we see they brought in golden this week i don't think that they are done just because like of the point in the season where we're at still feel like okay we once especially because of the way it's going to happen this year going from 90 to 53 immediately i i feel like that that could be a great spot to find a nickel right then from somebody yeah. else's roster um so between that and off ball linebacker i think they still got to be on the lookout to add to this defense 
I think so too. I mean, th- there's there's some clear cut needs. Even even in, if day one we have our starters on the on the team right now, I, I'm not comfortable with it at, at certain positions, and yeah. so it, it would make sense for them to add. All right, well, that will do it for Steelers Talk for this week. Um, Hopefully, you know, a lot more information next week. It'll be interesting to see as we work through OTAs, the information that we can gather. Um, Speaking of gathering information, a lot to talk about on the Penguins front, and we're going to do that when we come back. This is around the 412. Stay here. All right, welcome back to Around the 412. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Not Marcus Golden wasn't the only one to visit Pittsburgh this week. Kyle Dubas, former Toronto Maple Leafs GM, was in Pittsburgh, actually in Cranberry at the Lemieux Complex, meeting with the team, meeting with Captain Sidney Crosby until at least 10 p.m. Like this was a very early day for Kyle Dubas and a very long night in Pittsburgh for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of a I'll say last minute candidate almost just because it seemed like he wasn't going to be available. It seemed like it was going to be Toronto or nothing. Um, It seemed like he was kind of saying that with the intent that like it was going to be Toronto. I don't think he expected to be let go the way that it happened. Um, Shanahan, you know, we, we, we don't know how those conversations went. We're never going to know. I don't think, especially with Dubas, not really saying his piece on it. He took the high road. Um, The way that it seems from the outside though, is like, Dubis maybe made a play to get a little bit more money or something. He wanted to kind of change the way that things operated, like the chain of command, because it was so complex. Um, but he still wanted, to, he ultimately came back and said he wanted to be in Toronto. Shanahan didn't want to wait, wait around. And they pulled the plug on it, which took a lot of people by surprise, uh, including players. And apparently those exit meetings did not go well with the players. So all in all, this this isn't a Leafs podcast, though. Let's, how does this affect the Penguins? Dubas hits the market, and it seemed like, according to Elliot Friedman, the Penguins were actually ready to name a general manager. And then, wait, Kyle Dubas is available? Seemingly FSG's number one candidate. They got to talk to him. So they request permission to talk to him. That's granted. They bring him into Pittsburgh. He, of course, also would have had to have wanted to talk to them for this to happen. Um, so he was here. On Tuesday, this is now Wednesday when we're recording, probably Thursday when you guys are watching or listening. And a lot of information surrounding this. Um, Now, I've been told, and, you know, if if this goes down, oh, well, I'm willing to rely on the people that I've gotten this from. The ball's in Kyle Dubas' court as we sit here right now. The job, the money, the role, that's been ironed out. It's been offered to him. It's a matter of Kyle Dubas accepting the job. And with him, we've already kind of seen him talk about it with, you know, the Toronto situation stuff comes down to family. He's talking over with his family. If all things are good to go on his side, everything is absolutely good to go on the Penguins side. And Kyle Dubas is going to be the next general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, imagine being the guy that was going to get offered the job before this whole Dubas situation happened. Yeah, Matthew Darsh. Yeah, you 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 were you, <laughs> you were waiting on that. You're waiting on that call. You're waiting on that text, and then all of a sudden you get an update that the Penguins are meeting with with Kyle Dubas, and you're like, "What the hell? <laughs> Who's this guy?" Yeah, I know. Um, but no, I I I think that it is fascinating. The last like thirty six, 
however many hours after three days or 48, 72 hours. Dude, the the whole GM situation, it seemed like Dubas was out of it until a few days ago. Yeah. And now it seems like it's and now it's like anybody but Dubas seems like it is wrong and it's it's not going to be the case. And like you're saying, if the, the ball is in Dubas's court, I wonder what some of those conversations were like in Pittsburgh on Tuesday. And I'm really curious what the conversation with Sidney Crosby was like because he met with Sidney Crosby late. And so I wonder what that went down basically like probably trying to figure out how many more years he's gonna play <laughs> that, that that is probably a talking point he also probably were was basically like and i feel like from this from crosby's perspective hey are you going to try to let us win or, or what, what are you going to do here because uh even though fsg's the owner and we've got a president and all that sort of stuff i am the captain here i this is my ship and i run it so what? How are you going to do as my GM? And maybe that's maybe that's hyperbole and everything. But I feel like Crosby is the type of player that has that much pull, where he is going to have a say in in the, the GM uh, as much as any player could have in, in who could be the GM. So I, I think from that perspective, Crosby is probably looking at what what kind of GM he's going to be if he comes in. How's he going to end my career? But I also look at this from Dubas's perspective. And unless you are dead set, like you think you can win a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years with Sidney Crosby and the rest of this core, would you want the Penguins? And not, not just Dubas, anybody, anybody, any GM, anywhere, would you want to come to the Penguins in their current state? And that's a genuine question because I look at it from you, you just missed the postseason. The team is old. You have an aging core, which is still playing at a high level, but they are aging. You have a lot of bad contracts. You have eight no movement clauses, and you have no nothing in terms of a farm system. So, would you really want to take this over? And of course, a lot of guys are very competitive, and they probably like the challenge, and they'd probably see what what they could happen um, if they were the GM. But it's not like the Penguins outside of that. It's that organization, and you get to be the GM with that player or those players. There's, there's, I don't view it as that attractive as a job on the outside looking in because of all the, the the skeletons in that closet right now. I don't know if it's because of of being a Penguins fan and obviously having that bias within the fandom um, or what, but I almost view it as you know kind of the best of both worlds where you're going to be able to compete right now you think i know they didn't make the playoffs this year but they i feel like they have a good enough roster that they could next season given the and i say good enough roster meaning the stars playing the way that they were this year um there's obviously still a ton of holes for this gm to to plug away in year one basically immediately needing to step in and do so um but also like you said i think that you know a lot of guys look at it and want that challenge like want to see what they can rebuild have a vision a long-term plan in place so let's finish out the career of these three you know icons in pittsburgh and see if what we can do with that and then the new challenge begins of rebuilding this thing to try to get back to that point um and also going to be paid pretty well in the process of doing so with fsg running things so i don't think that that hurts also when you look at the ownership group that's that's above the gm I, I, I would say, so my answer would be in general, like if you're talking about lead wide, looking at all the 
potential GM spots. I it's probably middle of the pack, but at the same time, it's like one of 32 possible anyway. And how many are open Like yeah. for Dubas specifically? It's been talked about Pittsburgh. I know, like, I don't even know if it's a rumor or if it's just the fans trying to get it to happen. Ottawa being talked about as well. Um, but for him, like, again, I think it's kind of like for the now you have the situation that you do trying to squeeze everything out of this core as possible. And then, yeah, the challenge of what is likely going to not be a short turnaround. And you have to kind of have that voted confidence from ownership that you're going to have a long leash to try to turn it around. Um, that seems like a, a fun, and I'm putting that like in air quotes project yeah. for a guy that has that long-term vision. And he's a young dude, so he can be yeah, around. He's only, he's only 37. Yeah. I, I I looked it up because I want after we we heard You're about thirty two, yeah. After we heard about the Crosby conversation, because I wanted to know like how how close are they in age? And yeah, Crosby is going to be <laughs> thirty six this year. Yeah, thirty six, and and Dubis is thirty seven. Not sure if Stop. he's turning thirty eight. Um, but they're super close in age, which is really weird. Just thinking about a GM that young, but and maybe this is very. I don't, I don't know if ignorant is the right word. Just, I just don't know a lot about uh, all the other GM openings enough because I'm not a fan of that team. But I feel like the mm-hmm. Penguins, m- uh, more so than other openings, could be um, – I, I view the spot as very high-risk, high-reward as a GM because I, I look at what Ron Hextall inherited, and it was very much a high-risk, high-rewards situation where it, you, we have the tools or we have the players – and we honestly we have the cash to be able to to be the high reward team and get you to that Stanley Cup, but there's also the high risk aspect of it where and we saw that with Ron Hextall this past season where if you do too much or you screw it up then you're going to be gone and I I feel like that that's how I would view the Penguin spot right now um, with with Dubis or anyone else I think it's a high risk high reward situation high risk of you you're coming in and you have to one try to win still with the players that you have because you still have this this core playing at such a high level that you need to and also you have to rebuild the farm system where they have like two prospects worth a damn thing um but after that i i i think that dubas is up for the job and i think that it would be it'd be really cool to see him in pittsburgh i like a lot of what he did with toronto obviously no gm's perfect if you look at their entire tenure there's going to be signings. There's going to be trades where you question it. Where, wherever any GM is from, uh, no, no GM hits on hits 100%. But I, I think that he did a lot of good things in Toronto. It would excite me to have somebody um, like that in Pittsburgh. And I, I think that Dubas is an aggressive GM, which is something that I like. But I also think he's a smart GM. Um, so I, I think there is a good balance of that. Of you, you kind of get like the best of both worlds, where he he's into the analytics and he's into the young players and building up prospects. Because I think the Toronto Marlies, you saw some good prospects from them, and you got, saw some some good drafts from Dubis. But also, you were able to be aggressive. I mean, they went after and they got John Tavares for freaking sake. I mean, then the, they were able to keep and and sign whether the people like the contracts or not. They did the impossible in, in signing not only John Tavares to that that. Uh, what was that eight figure contract? Because seven figures is a million, yeah, eight figure contract, but also Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Um, so I, I feel like it would be a really good and fun 
GM tenure in Pittsburgh, hopefully fun. Honestly, I thought we thought, I don't know if we thought the Ron Hextall tenure could be fun. We were just hoping it wouldn't be as bad as it was. Um, but no, I, I think it's, it's it just seems like it's, it's Dubas until it's not now, which if you asked me just last week on our show, I didn't think Dubas was going to come to Pittsburgh. It just seemed like the, it was written off at that point, but now it's, it just seems like it is Dubas until it's not. And I think it's really interesting that he was in Pittsburgh for that long. And hopefully his wife likes fries on her salads because I feel like <laughs> that could be the only thing holding it up. Uh, it was Dubas who you've wanted all along. Cause I think a lot of people, whether it's just name recognition or, I mean, you look at the roster that Toronto consistently had, it's as, as good of a roster around the NHL. They obviously couldn't get over the hump there, but I don't know that you can blame that on the roster construction. Like the roster was in place and that's Dubas's job. Um, so was Dubas the guy that you've kind of wanted all along if he were available or, you know, where if, was that? If that? he was available, I would say Dubas was probably be at the top of my board. And I mainly look at, what Toronto was able to do with cap flexibility and to able to maneuver the cap the way they did to be able to, to dress the rosters that they did, as well as some of the moves that he made. I, I just think he was a really good GM, and it's, it's going to be one that is good, not going to be, uh, I, I feel like, remembered enough in Toronto just because they didn't get over that hump, and so that's going to be a knock on him forever in Toronto. Um, but outside of not getting over the hump i mean they they did this year they got past the first round but then they got knocked out but if you look at just the rosters that he had in those several years you you look at those and it's like how did these teams not get over the hump well they play the the washington capitals in 2018 when the caps won the cup they play the uh boston bruins they play the tampa bay lightning like they were going against really good teams and uh, it, it, I don't think it's fair to hold Dubas against that the entire way. I, I think that just matchups as well it, it are part of the reason that they never got over that point. Um, but yeah, just just from looking at it, I, I think I want somebody that is able to build a roster like that and and build a very aggressive roster while also being smart with your cap. Um, it, because I, I just think having three contracts over $10 million on that team and still being able to field or ice a, a a team that is 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 very competent offensively and and is structured in a way that you're not like flirting with uh, a, a really bad line at, at all times because th- that's that's something that a team like that you would feel like they have is a really bad bottom six kind of like what the Penguins had last year and the Penguins don't have anywhere near those those top contracts that that Toronto did so I think that yeah from that standpoint I would love to have um him as the gm and he would have been my my top spot if he was available i just didn't think he would be available and i don't know i didn't know how much interest he'd actually have in pittsburgh assuming that he could have stayed in toronto obviously that didn't work out but then that opened the door completely i mean i think he's much better than ron hextall that goes without saying but it is funny that like maybe the biggest knock on dubas in his tenure has been finding a goalie like and that's what we're talking about yeah. in Pittsburgh right now, and probably one of the bigger knocks when you look at Hextall as well in his tenure. Obviously, you know, bunch of different things for him, but um, yeah, that's the big one for me. Looking at Dubas's time in Toronto is just not being able to find that goalie. Uh, for me, I wanted Tolski, the assistant GM in Carolina. He was kind of my number one, and Dubas and kind of everybody else. Kind of like right, once we got past that first round of interviews where we got rid of those like old time hockey retreads that were Mark Bergevin. 
yeah, Peter Shirelli's like the guys that were just getting interviews as like a courtesy, basically. Um, once we got past that group and it was like Tolsky, Darsh, um, Greeley, obviously now Dubis, um, McKinnon, like any of those guys I would, I would have been fine with. Tolsky was my number one, pretty much everybody else at number two at this point with it seeming like the team is zeroed in on Dubis. Um, I'm all in like that's clearly if it's, if it ends up not being Kyle Dubis, it, it, it's because of Kyle Dubas and they ended up settling for their second option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And when that does happen, when he does sign in Pittsburgh, I just, I want everybody to know now that, that the, the penguin meme, cause you know, the, the Squidward Steeler thing. Penguin. Yeah. Yeah. I made that. <laughs> I made that with him yelling and penguin. So yeah. I had to call out. I've seen Clark. it a few times. Yeah. I had to, I had to call out Clark about it. Where's the credit? <laughs> But yeah, no, I I made that okay. Your your boy your boy can make memes too, okay. There we go. Smitty's um, not the only social media guru on here. <laughs> hey, no, if you follow us on TikTok, you, those I, I can't take credit for those either. So, um, what would you consider to be okay? Say, whether it's Dubis, whether it's somebody else, what would you consider to be the first piece of business for whoever the next Penguins GM is? Buy out Granlin. Okay. I uh, what. I mean, if you want to say find a goalie, that I feel like that could also be be mm -hmm. one. But if you buy out Granlin, it gives you more money to find a goalie, right? So, yeah. I I I feel like it has to be. There's there's no way that that dude could be on the team. Um, I know I saw it. Who was it? And I don't want to put him on blast, but like Seth Rorabaugh, I think maybe wrote an article about how how Granlin could offer like leaves more to be offered. Yeah, I, I and quoted I'm, and just said, hey, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I I just I don't care what could be with Mikhail Granlin. That ship has sailed. He needs to be gone. The the trade shouldn't have happened. It's, bad, in the first it's just place. a bad fit for the system. Like first off, I don't think he's the same player anyways that was putting up, you know, that point production. I think that was inflated because of who he was playing with. I think there was a point in time where he was a decent player in Minnesota, but those days yeah. are long gone. I just I think it's a really bad fit in Sullivan's system. Like I do too. I, so that's why it's like I don't have hope that he's going to suddenly be a competent player because it's still going to be in Sullivan's system next season. Like there, there's nothing yeah. that's changing about this. Yeah, that uh, to me that's easily number one. I mean, we talked about it with Jesse and Danny when they were on here. Whoever the G GM, the first thing, like first day, first hour. Okay, this is <laughs> what you're going to do. This is a requirement right, in, yeah. in, uh, in your Kyle, contract. Cal, can, can you sign here? Initial here. Sign this. Yeah, sign this. That will buy out Granlin. <laughs> yeah like, his, that, that, that's basically how it should go as he's signing his contract <laughs> he should be signing the contract that buys him out because it should just be one stroke of the pen it, it, I, I think that that's easily the number one and obviously after that you, you've got some holes to fill on this team you, you have to rebuild a bottom six you have to I would assume find a goalie there's no there's no way that they could go into the season with the same goalie tandem can they I'm, no, and now <laughs> I'm worried about because it looks like Vegas is, is going to go to the Stanley Cup final. And does that put them in a spot? Like, are they going to bring back Aiden Hill? Or does he get, like, a nice contract in free agency with the success that they've had in the postseason? That was a name that Jesse brought up. But yeah. I, I, I'm almost thinking, like, he might be pricing himself out at this point or be brought back in Vegas because of the success that he's had. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so, too. And then at that point, what does Vegas do with Robin Leonard? I, I mean... That, yeah, that, that signing, <laughs> that contract essentially just looks really bad for Vegas right now. Um, mm -hmm. But no, I think I think that goalie needs to be 
one of the main issues. I just don't think the Penguins can go into the same with the same tandem into the season. There's and not that they have to sell it to the fans. Like obviously, like the fans matter to a certain extent, but like obviously for hockey operations, hockey moves, the fans are going to say what they want, but the the team doesn't care. But how do you sell that to the fans if you go into the season with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith next season and you're like, we're good. We don't need any improvement. Did you see the the projected contract for Tristan Jari? No. <sighs> yeah, what I is don't it? even know. Six years. No. Like, yeah, no. it's getting <laughs> I don't close even need to, to hear the money. I don't it's need getting to close to seven million. It's it's close to seven million. I think it's like six point seven or something. That's ridiculous. For he's worth that for like three weeks of a season because that's all he plays. It's okay. tough. Yeah, there's no. I love way Tristan. I feel so could... bad talking yeah. so negatively about him. But so do I. I he's not available. People well, who yeah. listen to this probably think I hate Tristan Jari. No, <laughs> I, I like Tristan Jari. Like when he's healthy, when he's playing well. But when he's constantly being injured, he's not available for the team. And I'm sorry. I I I, I understand that it's a very hockey thing to play through your injuries. But if it's going to hinder you and make you a worse goalie, I don't want you out there. And so that didn't add anything to me this spring whenever he was playing injured and, and playing worse. But I just I – can't, I can't do that. Six years, almost $7 million, absolutely not. I'd rather hand out another six-year contract to a forward before I give him six years. There's Hey, there you go, Jason Zucker. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I that, – that would be – and I can't imagine – you know, any of these GMs, whether it's Dubis, whether it's another one of these guys that seem to come from a more analytical side of things, I very hard to imagine they would be the ones to do that. So I find comfort in that as well. Like there was, I was talking with my boy Doug about this. It's like any of these names mentioned, you have a hard time feeling like they're going to bring back Brian Dumoulin or they're really going to like corner themselves into a spot where they have to bring back Tristan Jari where they're going to overpay for Jason Zucker. I know the fans don't want to hear that because Jason Zucker's awesome. Great year last year. Finally great to see him stay healthy and put it all together. He's a great guy by all accounts. Very easy guy to root for. But man, like you you can't. They can't do that. They can't give another 30 plus year old a long-term contract and give him a raise like Yeah. It's no, it's got to be another team to do it if that's what he's looking for. Yeah, it, it'll have to be. And I feel like Dubas and a lot of the other guys that we've talked about, they could be the guys to be like, okay, I'm gonna pull up, I'm gonna pull up your uh J Fresh page right now. <laughs> you explain to me these percentages. To yeah. You explain to me why you have these percentages and see why I should give you a contract. What is your what's first your thing. what is your expected goals for? What's your expected <laughs> goals against? What's your what's your war percentage? No, Kyle you're not coming back. Gonna... Kyle Dubas is going to put together a PowerPoint on why their finishing has been down three seasons in a row. <laughs> Honestly, it would be refreshing. And I understand the hesitation from, from certain people to have all analytical guys, but I feel like the last two GMs we have weren't analytical at <laughs> all. Existed. Yeah. And but so there was no point it, in them having an, like the Penguins I, I, have a decent analytics team. They just don't listen to them. Yeah. And I don't, I don't need somebody like Jay Fresh, where it's like all analytics all the time, which I love Jay Fresh. Don't get me wrong. I, I love his stuff. But like, I don't need somebody to be sh- just shoving analytics into all their decisions all the time. But I think it needs to be a, a much heavier weight on the decisions moving forward. And I, I feel like you just look at the teams nowadays. 
how proven it is in, in certain situations like Carolina, which is awkward because they're about to get swept, um, Colorado. And I, I just think, I mean, even Toronto with Dubas, he, he played into that stuff as well. So teams are gearing towards that. They're moving towards it in, in all the decisions they're making. You don't have to make all your decisions heavily based off of the guy's war percentage, but I, I feel like it needs to be heavier place in some of the decisions moving forward. So any of the guys, whether it's Dubas or not, I'm happy because it seems like that'll be at least a little bit of a thought when they're making their decisions. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely going to come into play more than what we've seen recently. So uh, very excited, whatever the, the future holds for the Penguins. I think we're going to find out before our next episode. So next yeah. week we should be talking about who the, the new GM is and things are going to get really rolling here because the draft will be here relatively soon. So they got to get this GM higher. They got to get it right. And uh, whoever it is. Are we trading the pick? Got to get to work. Hey, again, like we don't, this GM could come in and be like, hey, I have a vision for what we're going to do with this 14th pick. All right. That it, so. well, I just <laughs> I just thought of something before <laughs> before they before they hired Dubas or whoever it was. Who was the one that made the the signing for uh, uh, Alex Nylander? Wasn't it the the assistant GM, GM of Wilkesbury? Of <laughs> Imagine if he trades the first over or <laughs> the first round pick for the Penguins before the GM for, gets there. for William Nylander. <laughs> for William Nylander, yeah, there you go. yeah. Just bring it all together. <laughs> I don't know that. Did we uh, before Dubis we switch just, and just walks in and it's like the scene from Community where <laughs> Troy walks in with the pizza and everything's on fire and. <laughs> hey, what are you guys thinking about doing with that 14th pick? Oh, we traded that yesterday. <laughs> Our assistant AHL GM traded it. Yeah, I don't know if we want to touch on. First off, did you read that article from uh, like it was a collective effort at the Athletic about like the last twelve months of? I, I have not. No. Nope. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into it because a lot of it. I mean, there is a lot of new information, I think, but at the same time, it's just like beating a dead horse when you talk about, you know what we already knew in terms of the villains of the way that this kind of went down with the penguins, obviously it doesn't paint Hextall in the best light, but like, I think Morehouse honestly came out looking worse from it than anybody else. Uh, Cause it was kind of his idea to break up the big three. Like and, and Gino, if you, if you know, going back to the way this off last off season went down at one point, we were relegated to the thought where Gino wasn't going to come back. If you remember, we recorded an episode talking about the day before free agency started we're finished with it yeah i went upstairs and <clears throat> gina resigned so we had to come back downstairs and we like continued on with the episode basically um but yeah morehouse uh and hextall convinced hextall and they were ready to break up the big three um i am glad that that didn't happen and also, like, I think somebody put out a really good point today. It's like you weren't even like trading them for assets. They were free agents. So all you're doing is like bringing in guys like, OK, say you move on from Latang and Gino, you're bringing in guys like John Klingberg and Vinny Trocheck, and you're still a relatively old team. Now you're just worse. Yeah. Like you're not really getting younger in any way. You're just breaking guys up to break them up at that point. So uh, very thankful that that didn't happen. Sid and Latang and even Sullivan, like this is in the article, basically said, ignore those guys talking about Hextall and Burke. 
Like, don't let them play into your decision. Gina was ready to not sign back in Pittsburgh because of that. He said he didn't trust management. They didn't think he was a good player anymore. That's sad. Yeah. That's just sad that he, he would get treated that way, that that whole situation was handled that way. I mean, Morehouse and Hextall should go down. Now to Morehouse Square. works for the Steelers. Yeah, Morehouse, <laughs> Morehouse and, and Hextall should go down to Market Square, and everybody should just get to punch them or stone them. <laughs> Can we bring a public stoning again? I mean, (laughs) are we starting a petition or something? (laughs) Change.org or whatever? (laughs) I'm sure change.org has a a slightly happier (laughs) sense to the website. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, no, they, they are not painted in a very good light. And again, it's like a lot of stuff that we knew, but also a lot of new information. So if you are interested and you have an athletic subscription, I mean, check that out. All um, I had to know was that, that Hextall had a, had a meeting where everybody put their phones in the middle of the table. Like they were five years old. Yeah. I thought you were going to say about too how Hextall, I mean, we talked about it a lot too. He couldn't tell them what his vision was. And then yeah. he like, but so he had to like, write it down on pieces of paper and then he printed out a bunch of copies of it and then he handed them out. Yeah. It's like Will Arnett. <laughs> Will Arnett in the office. Can you it's tell us what your plan is? The incompetency, but man. If I told you, I'd have to kill you. Yeah. If you give me the job, then you get the plan. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. But um, yeah, it's just like, you know, we're bringing up something that we're past. Hopefully that Era of that era of penguins hockey is gone, and hopefully we don't get back to anything close to that. Um, yeah. However, not that it gets any better to talk about because we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Not a whole lot to talk about with the Pirates, but want to touch just on their recent stretch here. So we will be back in about I don't know fifteen seconds, and we will wrap up talking about Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. Fun. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates lost again on Wednesday, the day that we are recording this. Um, still above 500 for now, just one game above 500 at this point. This weekend, I mean, that could be gone. They could be under 500 by the time, well under actually 500 by the next time we talk, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that things have trended for them from the beginning of the season, they've now played as much bad baseball. <laughs> That's crazy. They've now played as much bad baseball to pretty much entirely cancel out the start that they had to the season. Just very little. Right now, it feels like, you know, September of a bad year with what we've seen in May. Like, getting yeah. to the point where I'm not yeah. even, like, enjoying watching them anymore. I don't like. I, like, I, I am going to reluctantly turn the game on at work tomorrow because I, I feel like, what's the point? Uh, I, I I feel like I'd rather just be focusing on work <laughs> than watching the Pirates game. No, I understand that completely. I think we're at the point in the season, which is crazy because we're only in May. We're not even into the summer yet, where it's just so hard to actually turn on the TV and watch these guys put in just terrible efforts. I mean, since we last talked, they're two and four. So they, they won two more games than they had since the week we, we talked before that. Um, but it's still just such devastating efforts. Like it's complete opposite, complete difference from what April was to now. And 
we can we sound like a broken record because they're not doing anything. That's there's there's really not else to nothing yeah. else new we can say because there's no changes being made to try to make an attempt to get out of this. This is why bad organizations stay bad organizations, and why the pirates have been they're unserious program. Yeah, they're very unserious program, and it's why, like, as a pirates fan for as long as we've been pirates fans you're almost like numb to it at this point. It's why it's like, I don't even know that I'm necessarily mad. It's well, that's just, why I was, yeah, I don't care. Like, I mean, that sounds terrible to say in may, but it's like they they're losing, they're playing terribly, but at the end of the day, I don't care. And I would care a lot more if this was the Steelers being this way, or if this is the Penguins being this way. And I know that's very sad to say, but I'm just kind of geared towards thinking this way about the pirates. I just, I, I want them to do good. I, I pray that they would, get back to the playoffs. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's hard for me to care because of how that organization is run versus how the other two are run. It's almost, well, yeah, you need to like see and feel like the organization cares in order to care. Like what are the, to your point, like you said, you know, a few minutes ago, what have they tried, you know, doing differently? Like I understand like there's a process, right? Like you can't always just look at the results. It's about the process, and then the results will will come. I, how can you trust the Pirates process right now? Like the only thing positive to say about the team right now is in like a month or so, hopefully Dylan Cruz has been drafted by the team. Like number one, that's all I got right now. Because at the rate we're going, we're going for back to back to back number one overall, (laughs) baby. I just I look at this team right now, and it's it's like even the positive you know, like Mitch Keller or Andrew McCutcheon. Um, I, I I don't know what the heck is like to even make of Brian Reynolds. Like, it's not like he's been bad. It's just, he's only got one homer over like his last month. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, you know, when a runner's in scoring position, he's not coming through. Connor Joe's cooled off a ton. Same with Santana. G1 Bay shouldn't have a job anymore. Uh, not just in baseball in general. I think he should be unemployed, um, maybe thrown in prison. I got some other ideas, but uh, I, I think Rodolfo Castro needs to play more than he has. I'm just rattling off ideas at this point with the team. It, they're not, they're not doing anything differently. Like it's I check I looked at the lineup every single day that they're putting out. Pretty much status quo. We got you know Josh Palacios, a 27 year old non prospect, roll five pick. Uh, playing as much as he is to, we're throwing Chris Owings out there because he's the only other guy that can play shortstop, but he can't, I could probably hit better than he. Um, it's, it's a very frustrating team to watch right now, game in and game out. And it just, there's no end in sight for me for this. Like I, when are we going to see some significant changes? And even if we do, they're probably not going to work because it's the pirates. Well, like I said, we're going to see significant changes in June, once we get past the Super 2 and we can call up guys and without touching their service time. And that's when they'll try to change are things. There, and at that point, it'll probably be too late. Are there even enough reinforcements in AAA? I don't think there are to make an actual difference, but I think that's when you're actually going to see something happen. Give I, you something I, I, to... like. That's, that's my biggest complaint about this season because I didn't necessarily expect them to be like in contention for anything this year. I thought we'd kind of see strides to what hopefully 2024 is. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's really not even like... Give me a reason to watch right now. I, I don't even know like what I'm supposed to be tuning in for 
because mm-hmm. well, to Capita Marcano, by the way, who did, I didn't give a shout out through to yet, has I, I've I enjoy him. I enjoy watching to Capita Marcano. I beyond that, I thought Oviedo pitched okay today. Yeah, and I mean I, I'm watching I, I every game. That... It's just I end up thinking, okay, hey, they pretty much did nothing to really take home from this. Yeah, and it's crazy too because we we kind of talked about this last week when I think we were three games above 500. Um, now that we're only one game above 500, if we were at one game above 500 at this point in the season, we'd still be ecstatic. Yeah. But seeing the way that it's, it's rolled out, it's it's just it's miserable. And like I said, I don't think that the the moves that they're going to make are necessarily going to pull them out of it. Like I don't think there's enough reinforcements, like you were saying, to do it. But I do think if something's going to happen, it will happen in June. I just don't see anything changing before that. That's just not the status quo for the Pirates. It's not oh. how they roll. And By also, uh, Austin Please. Hedges is the best player of all time. Just wanted to throw that out there. Please DFA <laughs> Dwayne Underwood Jr. as well. I, I can't I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I, I've given him the benefit of the doubt so much, but I, I don't know. Uh, that leash cannot be any longer. I'm hoping when Vince Velasquez comes back off IL, that's the move, and you keep Ortiz up here, either you know transitioning, either him or Oviedo to like a bullpen role, or even somebody. Dang it, I don't know who it was. I, I wish I'd give him credit. It might have been Jim Northside Notch said something about maybe piggybacking Ortiz and Rich Hill in their starts, which would be an interesting idea as well. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm over Dwayne Underwood Jr. completely. About Austin Hedges though, yeah, I, I like. His his ceiling at this point as a player is a backup catcher who's clearly obviously not there for his offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't even to me been like very good defensively. Like I, I think his biggest thing is pitch framing and pitchers like the way yeah. that he calls a game. Other than that, I, I'm not seeing any value that he's providing on a nightly basis. Dwayne Underwood Jr. over his last oh my goodness. Over his last 15 or no year to date this season, he's given up 24 hits, 14 runs. He, he started five the and a, well too. Five and a half ERA, 11 walks. And this is all in, uh, he, he, he's given up more hits than he has innings pitched. So, you know, he's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you were to look at it game by game, he started out the year pretty well. So it's like really just within well, these last, at, let me look at just the fat last two weeks. Dwayne Underwood Jr. last two weeks. Oh, 810 ERA. Um, seven hits and 6.2 innings pitched, six runs. He's giving up as many runs per innings as he's as he's pitching right now. Um, yeah, yep. that's bad. That's bad. It's very bad. Robert <laughs> so Stevenson. I'm over that. He stunk. Colin Holderman. He's been okay. Yeah. There's been a couple guys in the bullpen that have still been okay. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Dwayne Underwood Jr., maybe he should be thrown in jail too. <laughs> I'm I'm down. You don't have to convince me. I'd be down. Um, I don't have anything else. That's it. We can end with ranting about the, Pir- the Pirates Rant podcast. That's what we should call this one. <laughs> because we talked about the Pirates for 10 minutes? <laughs> No, because there's an actual podcast called that. That is a that doesn't have a lot of fans on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> so for anybody that's watching or listening to this and knows of that person, they're they kick out of that. But 
Uh, it's a, it's an inside joke, I guess, with with a few people. Dalmi Mer- Dalmi is one of the only people I like in the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. I actually, honestly, out of the, I think the bullpen, especially for what they they are, hasn't been that bad. Like you think about the fact that Sherrington only signed one major league reliever this year, and he hasn't even pitched. Yarlene Garcia. The other than that, it's like some roll five guys or just guys that were already in the organization. Like I, I yeah. haven't really had an issue with their performance as a whole. It really just like if you DFA Underwood, I'm I'm cool with that. I agree. So we'll see. Anything else? We're gonna have um, a new next week. Yeah, new Penguins GM. Um, no, no, that that's it. Check out check out the YouTube soon. We're going to have some new stuff going up. Yeah. So. Uh, shout out to our friend Sarge. If you watch or listening, you know who Sarge is at this point. I think we're going to find some different ways to, to bring you guys content. Um, primarily, we, this is a YouTube thing. Um, again, we're very transparent with this. We have to find ways to, to put different types of content on YouTube. We're trying Other to get than just paid. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> legit i mean that's 100 the reason um but we're also going to do stuff like more like tiktok form stuff as well um so you're gonna see stuff that you haven't seen yet from our channel in the very near future sarge is going to be a part of that with us whether it's just helping us like bring it to life or being involved with the content itself so that would be interesting and stay on the lookout for that subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell so you don't miss when we do that leave a like on the video comment down below Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else. Be sure to subscribe everywhere that you can. Uh, that link tree that is in our bio and our individual bios as well uh, will take you to all the platforms where you can find us. Um, but I think that's it. As always, sponsored by Teach Barbershop. I don't say that basically ever, but you see their logo in the above Tyler, and it also goes on the ticker down below constantly. Just moved into a new location, so shout out to Christian making big moves over at Teach Barbershop. Yeah, Tyler finally pointed to the specific area where it is on the screen. Uh, But we will see you guys next week, and uh, maybe we'll get new Penguins GM Kyle Dubas on the show. You never know. Never say never. But uh, for Smitty, for Tyler, this has been Around the 412, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.